Hi, I'm Jill Sylvester, licensed mental health counselor and author of the self-help book, Trust Your Intuition, 100 Ways to Transform Anxiety and Depression for Stronger Mental Health, and the young adult self-help fiction novels, The Land of Blue and Devon Dream Agent Book One in the Devon series. Each of my books deals with the theme of intuition because for me, it all comes down to listening to and trusting your own inner voice, the one of your best self, the highest self, in order to live your best life and also to trust that voice and develop it in order to help and serve humanity. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast. I just want to take a second to acknowledge and thank the country of Canada for the growing listener base that we have there. Thank you. Today's topic is from an article that I read in the Wall Street recently, written by Elizabeth Bernstein, who I I love to read her column. It was dated October 28th, and it was on the topic of hope. And there was one part particularly on the subject of words that I wanted to expand on here in this space. Bernstein writes, Watch your words. Many years ago, I interviewed Elie Wiesel, the Nobel laureate author and Holocaust survivor. She said, Mr. Wiesel told me something I have never forgotten. Every word we speak or write matters. Heed Mr. Wiesel's advice. Think carefully about your words. Use hopeful language. I can. We will. It's possible. Spread hope. Emotions are contagious. And everyone is searching for hope right now. So model it for others. Explain what makes you hopeful. Share your goals. And describe how you plan to reach them. You may garner support. You'll inspire others, showing what is possible. Remember, hope begets hope. That's from Elizabeth Bernstein, that every word we speak or write matters. I tend to agree, and I'm learning this more and more as I get older. I want to go deeper into that advice here today, and in the way the work tends to go in this space, to break it down into three strategies in order to take your personal development game to a deeper yet higher level. So let's get started. How you speak to others, that's one of the ways that we use words. This happens when we speak off the cuff, and if you're an empath, sort of a sensitive person who tends to pick up on other people's emotions, when you are in the company of somebody else, if you're an empathic person, you can tend to become that other person. And if you're an empath, you'll know exactly what I mean. You get swallowed up by another person's energy field because you're just somebody who can feel someone so intensely that you start to speak like them or say words that you think that they would want you to say. And you can lose yourself. And it's either to, you know, you might want to impress somebody, either consciously or subconsciously, um, or you just mirror them. And you just start to, you know, just kind of like become one with that person. But either way, um, you want to think about kind of where you start and the other person stops. You want to think about how what you say to another person, whether you're an empathic person or you're not an empathic person, what you say matters and how it's going to affect the other person. And if you are an empathic person... You know, you can often walk away from an exchange thinking, why did I just say that? Or I didn't even mean to say that. So how you speak to others is about thinking about how you speak to others in advance. Meaning, and this is a little tool or a little strategy just to get you thinking about that the next time you have a conversation with somebody and you think you might tend to lose yourself or say things you don't really want to say when you're in the company of a certain person is set your intention before you go into conversation thinking what you want to get out of it. What do you want to add? 
What do you want to receive from the other person? How do you want to feel when you walk away? Think about that. And this isn't just in professional exchanges or with people you really don't know or you want to impress or don't want to impress. This can be really good friends, best friends, really close colleagues, partners, people in your own home, you know, in your family. Start to think about how often do we say things sometimes to our kids when we're siding with them and we're getting down in the trenches with them and we're supporting them. But then afterward, we think, I didn't really want to really say that. That wasn't really nice to say, you know, about that other person. Or, you know, I I wanted to say something higher in, in in a higher context so that my child would learn from me and not make me seem like a friend to them, right? How often do we say things and we really don't, intend to say them and we walk away from those exchanges thinking ah I could have done better with that or that's not what that's not who I am at all or maybe that's who I was 10 years ago or 10 weeks ago but it's definitely not who I am today so how aligned are we with what we think and what we say and what what comes out of our mouth and does it match our thoughts so so think about that you know when you're speaking to other people My mother used to say, say what you mean and mean what you say, which used to drive me bananas. And I didn't get it fully until I was an adult, and I'm still getting it now. And, you know, it's it's there's a lot to be said for that. Say what you want to say, you know, and 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 mean it. Think about what you want to say beforehand when you're in an exchange with somebody and see if you're congruent with that intention when you walk away. And that'll be how you know you'll feel good emotionally. You'll be regulated emotionally, like, yep, yeah, that's that's what I wanted to get out of that, you know, exchange, and that's how I feel from that. So, so think about how you speak to others. We need this now more than ever. The way people speak to each other sometimes, often, uh, you know, in the news, and I don't watch a lot of news for for that reason. Um, it, it's it's. It's it's mind blowing, um, it's mind blowing. I'm all for speaking your truth and and you know coming from your heart and saying exactly what it is that you want to say, but there's a way to say it. There's an intention to say it. We've all made that mistake when we've said something that was so venomous and so passive aggressive or so aggressive, you know, and and put that all behind you. But moving forward, think about learn from these people who who are who are not doing it the way you want to, or sometimes if you get so caught up in that, you know, that's not the way it has to be. And part of the challenge, I think, collectively, as a human race right now, is to take this challenge of of raising the collective consciousness higher and thinking about how you want to speak to other people. That doesn't mean walking around talking like a saint or being nice and rainbows and unicorns about people all the time. Not at all. But it does mean saying things in a way that has some class and has, you know, your voice behind it of getting your opinions out and your feelings out, but saying it in a way that helps you feel solid and grounded as a person and allows the other person to receive what you're saying in a much more gentle way, um, in a welcoming way that they can kind of sit and process what you're saying and maybe take it and apply it to their own growth and personal development. So the way you the way you speak to others, uh, just something to think about. So when we come back, we'll talk about the next way we use words. 
This week's sponsor is Revive and Company. They are located at 208 Main Street in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Revive offers breakfast all day, revitalizing salads, press sandwiches on fresh five-grain bread, power bowls made to order, flatbread wraps, smoothie bowls, house-made juices. And these are just some of their delicious offerings. Dairy-free, gluten-free, and vegan options also available. I always get the veggie power bowl when I go. It's greens, warmed veggie confetti, hummus, rice, quinoa, balsamic dressing, and it's so good. I also get the super beet juice with apple, beet, cucumber, celery, lemon, and ginger, minus the cucumber and the celery because that's just the way I like it. And it is awesome. Try it yourself and see. For more information, visit reviveandco.com. That's R-E-V-I-V-E and co.com. Okay, another way we use words is how we write. Writing is a gift. Words are a gift. Use your words carefully when you write. I'm not talking just a, you know in a business email or an essay if you're a student or or in you know professional context, but even in text messages, do you really want to say what you just wrote about another person? Because you know what you don't like about somebody else brings to light what that is in yourself that isn't, you know, that aligned either, right? So I'm sure you've all heard this, uh, if not most of you, is what we don't like in in another person is the mirror back to ourselves. And when we can stop and think about the ways we diss on people sometimes in our writing, then if you want to go ahead and write it, be willing to put that mirror up to yourself and say, oh, you know, I just called that person this or I said this about that person. It can be even more glaring when you put it into words in in writing format because there it is staring you in the face. So think about that the next time you go to write about someone or something that you don't like. And if you do, you know, if you search deep enough in yourself, you'll, you'll see that the things we often complain about other people. Being honest with yourself and choosing to stand in a vibration that says, I'm going to write what I really want to say from my heart in a solid format and challenge yourself to take the high road, to turn everything up in volume of what you want to say. And if you can't, in the name of venting with somebody, then simply choose your words carefully. Instead of calling somebody awful words, stop and try to see what's really going on with you because maybe that person hurt you or they rejected you or whatever they did or accomplished or whatever brings out your insecurities. You know, There's usually something deeper when we come from a place of writing something about somebody else that is hurtful. There's usually something in us, it's our ego, that gets hurt or bruised. And if, again, we go deep enough, we can find what it is that is writing those hurtful things in the first place. So using your written words so as not to injure or wound or to negatively affect somebody else is just as important as how you speak to somebody else. So taking a moment thinking before you send a text, before you send an email of what it is you're trying to convey, the message you really want to get across to somebody else, and how you want to feel once you're done and you hit send, once you're finished, and, you know, if it's from the heart, and if it's, you know, something that you want to say that's constructive, criticism, then absolutely. But the way you say it, try to see if you can't align that with head and heart, And be able to feel so much better about yourself, but also 
what you're putting out in the world because what you write to somebody else or about somebody else or how whatever writing you're doing and everybody writes in whatever format if you say oh I'm not a good writer I don't write all the time everybody writes we send texts a million times a day to people thinking stopping for a second and thinking about what you're writing is it positive is it negative is it something that contributes to somebody else's growth, to somebody else's feeling good? Think about what you're writing and if it's portraying yourself and where you are right now in the manner that you want to present yourself in. If you're lined up in that, then go ahead and send it. But if you're not, I'm challenging you to stop and say, what is it that I really want to say? What is it that I want to say that's in the person's highest and best? And how can I deliver that message and challenge myself in a way that, you know, could have come from ego and I could have just snapped it out there and just, you know, just dropped whatever I wanted to say? Or can I stop and think about a better way to say the same thing, but in a way that's going to be received? And again, thinking of the context of the collective, of the world, of the challenge that we have right now as as all of us to take our game higher because what we put out in the world is what is coming back to us. All the confusion, all the chaos, all the just the the disorder of so many things is a mirror to our own. So before we go and point fingers at everybody else who's causing chaos and causing the world to just be, you know, what it is right now, check yourself. Have you ever done what they're doing? Have you ever talked how they talk? Have you ever treated somebody the way they treated? And maybe they treat those people and done those things on a scale of 1 to 10 as a 10. And maybe you've done it only at a 4. But you've still done it. I know I have. So stopping and asking yourself, how do I put this energy out there that will do my part, our, our, each of our small parts, which is really a really big part when it adds up, so that what comes back to us is a summation of all the work that we're each doing on ourselves. And that leads to the last way we use our words, which is how you speak to yourself. Do you ever stop to listen and ultimately question the narrative that runs underneath your behavior? The thoughts are there, I assure you. Remember back to a previous podcast, if you've, if you've gone back and listened to, to some of them, thoughts, feelings, behaviors. What you think is how you feel is how you behave. So if you are doing something you are not proud of, the thought that's running underneath, whether it's drinking or eating too much, whether it's not being nice to people, whatever the maladaptive behavior is, there is a narrative that's running underneath as a current of your story that is in some way, shape, or form devaluing yourself. Whether you don't feel you deserve something, whether you feel you are unworthy, whether you feel you don't have enough time, whether things don't work out, there's something underneath that's running as a negative sentence, statement, tape running in your head that you've always had all your life. Stop and explore the thoughts. Because if you take the time to listen to those thoughts that are running through your head and the story that you're telling yourself, it will allow you to listen to whether you speak negatively or positively to yourself. And if you speak negatively to yourself, then ultimately your actions and your words are going to be negative in some way, shape, or form. How you speak to yourself is the most important thing 
you can do. It's the most important action you can take for your own personal growth and development. Because once you start to see how you might not be talking nice to yourself, then when you can start working on that and rewriting that script in your head so that you tell yourself you're worthy, so that you tell yourself that there's plenty of time, that you tell yourself that things work out beautifully, you're going to have a whole different vibe. And that vibe is going to cause you to speak differently to people and to write differently to people. So how you speak to yourself is super, super important. These three steps of using your words carefully are how we manifest. It's how we love. It's how we create. It's how we choose better. Use your words carefully. Let's heed Ellie Wiesel's advice. Every word we speak or write matters. This is how we honor the great lives of those who have passed, of those we admire. We listen and we incorporate their wisdom into our own lives. Okay, questions this week. First one was how to deal with oppositional kids. All right, let me say, oppositional kids, tough, tough, tough. But they are our future leaders. They really, really are. These kids do not like to be told what to do. And if you, you know, if you've got one in your life, whether you're teaching one or you you have one as as one of your children, um, they don't like to be told what to do. They are they are natural born leaders. Whether that's for the dark side or the light side remains to be seen. But you have a responsibility to help lead them to the light by working with them and by shining a light on the things that they really do well. So use your words here. Less is more. Um, Try not to fight with these kids or resist what is. There's a negative payoff in the power struggle, and that's what helps keep them in the loop of doing and exhibiting this behavior over and over and over again. Um, At one point in the research that I've read on oppositional kids, the strongest strategy is alienation. So meaning like that doesn't mean abandoning your children. Um, It just means like if you're all doing something and they're like, I don't want to go and it's just really testy. And if you have one, you know what I mean? The best thing to do is just say, you know, you got to go take some time by yourself or we're going to just, you know, head out without you or, um, you know, just take some time because the message that you send to kids is that you don't want to be around them if they're always going to continue to be oppositional and you want to teach them that so that as they grow they realize that they can't continue well they can they can choose to create their life however they want to but it will be difficult to work with colleagues and in relationships Um, so so sometimes just stepping back and taking space without using negative words or fighting what is is the best strategy to go and I will repeat myself and end on a positive with this question about highlighting the fact that they are leaders and you can you can say right to them you are a natural born leader you don't like being told what to do you know I'm your mom your dad your teacher and and I my job my responsibility is to guide you there, but someday you're going to make a fine, you know, person in position of power. Like, guide them to what they're good at, but not engaging in the payoff. So, I hope that helps answer this question, answer that question. Okay, uh, second question was about boundaries. 
So when you're setting boundaries with somebody, um, and this could be an entire podcast, boundaries is so huge, um, such a big, big thing to learn how to really master. Um, but I'm going to give you one tool just in this, in this brief section of the podcast is the sandwich technique. So sandwich technique, two pieces of bread, the meat in the middle is what we really want to say. The pieces of bread on the ends are the niceties. So here's how it looks. You know, you're talking to, to um, let's say, a good friend. You say, I love you. You are awesome. And I love my time with you. However, when we keep talking about the same thing over and over and over, I lose my energy. I feel drained. And that isn't good because then it makes me not want to take your phone call, not engage in the same space. So can we put a cap on it? Um, you know, when you do this and you, and you use this technique with somebody, you start with a positive in order to have them hear you better. Cause if you start right away with you driving me crazy and I can't take this phone call from you anymore, um, it alienates them. It's like putting your, you know, back up against the wall and they're less receptive to what you have to offer them. So you start with a positive, you say what you really want to say on the middle and you in the middle, and then you end with a positive. And eventually if you use this technique a lot, like I do in my house, eventually people will know what you're doing. Like when my son used to say, ah, I, I, you're using that sandwich technique on me so you know get good at it flex that muscle learn how to um, start with a positive in order to get your point across and eventually people will figure it out for themselves so this came up in session this week with setting boundaries with uh, uh, someone and it's you know we all deal with boundaries in every in every facet of our relationship so that's that's one way to deal with it Third question that came up uh, this week is someone had asked, you know, I, I want to be someone new. I want to try new things. I've been really uncomfortable and uh, not liking that feeling of feeling like, you know, they kind of want to be a different person and try new things. And so I wanted to put this question in this week because I want to highlight the fact that if this speaks to you, and we've all been there feeling like we want to crawl out of our skin and just be someone new and dress different and, and exude, you know, confidence and just, you know, be a different person in our relationships. The good news is when you feel this distress, when you feel this discomfort, this is where we make change. We don't make changes when we're content. Take your discomfort and turn it around. Tell yourself that it's time then. Like if you're getting the message that it's time for you to do something new, instead of focusing on what's wrong and how you can't stand yourself and you and you you know want to change, try to try to understand that the energy is changing to get you to grow. This is the message to try new things, to wear new clothes, to get a makeover, to speak differently, to use your words carefully. This is how you take the dark feelings and you shine a light on them. This is how you move out of that dark space you're in and step into the light. Take the invitation in the discomfort. See it for what it is. Change and growth, because that is what it is. Trust that nudge and move from there. In my experience, having felt discomfort and distress many, many times, that uncomfortable nudge never steers you wrong. And lastly, before I end the podcast this week, I want to say a thank you for the recent increase in the sales of my books. As any of my artist friends and colleagues would attest to, when you purchase someone's art, you are saying to somebody that their work matters, that what we say matters. It's, it's like people sending you a green light that what you are doing is right on track. It's one of the greatest feelings. 
And so I'm taking that green light and I'm sending it right back to you in, in your endeavors as well. Thank you for your support of my work. If you like today's podcast, please hit subscribe and share with your people. And please check out my books and products at www.jillsylvester.com where you can sign up for my weekly blog to receive tips and strategies to deepen your intuition and live your very best life. Thanks for listening. Thank you.